words from all those up Swindon fans. But you're not there yet. In it goes! Oh, it's gone in! Richard left foot in! What a volley! It's the stuff of champions! It's the stuff of dreams! And Donate races it on goal and Donate! Snake from Tompkins. What a goal from Glenn Murray. He's hardly had a touch. On he'll go. Michael Smith. Into what he's Hello and welcome to episode 45 and uh, second episode of the new season uh, of Together, a Brighton & Hove Albion podcast. Uh, it's Sunday morning, about half past nine in the morning, Eastern Standard, or summer, whatever it is over here. Um, and I have Leicester City and Wolves on in the background. Uh, we've just won our first game of the season, 3-0 away from home, and life is good. I hope that you're enjoying this weekend as much as I am. Uh, didn't expect that. Uh, but we will get in amongst it uh, with our top five stories of the week. Um, it's the same thing we've been doing uh, for the last half of last season, and it seemed to work quite well for me. Uh, it enabled me to stay within my lines, um, so I'm going to do that this week. Uh, so we've got plenty to talk about for our top five stories of the week this week. Um, story number five is Aaron Moy. Uh, last thing on deadline day, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you all saw it, but Aaron Moy unexpectedly signed for Brighton from Huddersfield. I say unexpectedly because uh, we also signed a young man, um, a right back. I believe his name is Romaric Yapi, Yapi, whatever. Uh, he was a Paris Saint-Germain uh, youth player at right back. And we signed him to his first professional contract um, as opposed to PSG keeping him on. And when we announced that we had signed uh, Romaric, they decided to show a picture of Aaron Moy instead. <laughs> um, so any kind of surprise uh, in terms of Aaron Moy signing was immediately lost because when they announced him about two and a half hours later, everybody already knew he'd signed because whoever, uh, whoever decided to write that article on the Seagulls website kind of screwed up. So Aaron Moy signs on a one-year loan deal from Huddersfield. Great business for us, to be honest. Um, I think he's a better midfielder than Kyle uh, in the Premier League, and I think he's proven it with the stuff he's done uh, already for Huddersfield in the last two years. So we've definitely strengthened our midfield, uh, central midfield. Um, and not only that, but Baram Kyle has gone on loan to Charlton Athletic, who I have a ton of time for, um, and I'm glad to see them getting him. It's a great signing for them and a great signing for him. He'll probably play every game this season once he's bedded in, and uh, I can't imagine they'll get relegated with a player like him. Uh, obviously, it's only just the one player, and there's 11 of them on a pitch, but he is that good in the championship. I think he'll. Uh, I think Charlton will do well this year. Um, but let's take a look at Aaron Moy from last season. Uh, 24 appearances last season, uh, another four as, as a substitute. Uh, I haven't been able to look into whether he had an injury or not, but you've got to assume he was hurt at some point um, because he was kind of their talisman for the last two years in the, champ in the Premier League. So at some point he must have gotten hurt. Uh, three goals, one assist and four yellow cards. Um, and what I thought what I, thought I would do here... Um, 
as opposed to any of the other looks. Uh, I thought I would just do a straight-up player comparison um, last year between Davy Proper, Dale Stevens, and Aaron Moy um, to see how they stack up with one another and how that can look going forward. So um, I got a whole bunch of stats together and kind of tried to paint a picture of who these players are and how they can interact with each other in the midfield two or three or eight, whatever we're going to play in the middle. Um, so... When it comes to defensive um, maneuvers, Aaron Moy uh, registered 2.1 successful tackles uh, a game last season. Dale Stevens 2.8 and Davy Proper 1.7. So Aaron Moy pretty much smack bang in the middle of both Dale, Dale Stevens and Davy Proper um, for defensive output when making tackles. Uh, Aaron Moy made 0.5 interceptions per game uh, last year. Dale Stevens 1.5 and Davy Proper 1.8. So. Aaron Moy is definitely not the kind of player that uh, runs to intercept the ball. Um, maybe that was because he was playing further at the pitch, and thus his pass the passes around him were uh, obviously a lot harder to intercept if they're going around the back four. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting statistic to look at. Uh, I don't know what what really leads itself, what play style leads itself to making barely any interceptions as opposed to Stevens and Proper. Um, we know how deep they had to play last year, so maybe that plays a role. Um, I mean, at times they were playing as sort of third and fourth centre-backs, so maybe that makes a difference, maybe it doesn't, I'm not sure. Um, fouls, fouls committed. Um, so Aaron Moy made uh, 0.9 fouls per game last year. Um, Dale Stevens 1.5 and Davy Proper 1.1. So again, I think that that one is a lot easier to correlate. Uh, Stevens and Proper played a lot more defensive football than uh, Moy did. He... At the minute, just from looking at what he did, it looks like he was a lot more of a uh, central attacking threat or at least a, a box-to-box threat as opposed to Stevens and Proper both playing defensively. Um, yeah, 0.9 fouls, 1.5, 1.1. So he uh, he was perfectly capable of making just as many tackles, if not more than Proper, but uh, he committed less fouls. So interesting to see how that works out uh, in Potter's midfield. Um, dribbles lost. So this essentially means that how many times he was successfully dribbled past um, by other players when he was trying to take them down. That's 1.1 dribbles. Uh, Stevens 1.5 and Proper 1.2. So, you know, again, very similar between Proper and Moy. Um, and then goals, uh, three goals for Aaron Moy and one goal apiece for Stevens and Proper. Um, and then one assist all the way through the board. But all three of them got one assist last year. Um, and... This is where the big difference comes uh, when it comes to attacking. We know that uh, Wagner liked to attack more than Chris Hutton did. Not that it did him any good at all. Um, you know, say what you will for how we felt we played last year. Uh, we all said plenty about how we felt. But clearly just attacking without the quality or the impetus doesn't really help. Because, you know, um, Aaron Moy had 1.5 shots per game and performed 1.5 key passes per game. Uh, Dale Stevens, 0.4 shots per game, 0.6 key passes, uh, and proper 0.5 shots per game and 0.6 key passes. We stayed up and they didn't, you know. Attacking isn't all the be-all and end-all if you're not doing it the right way. So, first of all, it's interesting to see that Moy significantly outperformed them, and I think it's interesting to see that they went down anyway. Um, so, I mean, looking at all these numbers, what does it all mean? To me, just my opinion... Uh, it, to me, it looks like Moy is kind of like an absolute hybrid of the two. Um, so who is he here to replace, which is a big conversation that had been going on on social media. Um, I saw that question asked on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you, you name it. Um, 
people were posting who the hell is he replacing on MySpace, you know what I mean? Um, in my opinion, uh, he's probably going to be here to keep both of them on their toes. Uh, if Potter wants to be more positive and attacking, then clearly Dale Stevens is the one in big trouble. Um, and if he wants us to provide more attacking impetus uh, and somebody who can provide uh, more shots on goal and more key passes when we are attacking, um, then Proper is in trouble. Um, this isn't even taken into account when Basuma returns. So, you know, Basuma, I haven't had a chance to look at his stats because he has a lot less of them um, than the other two. But I would guess, pure guess, that Basuma and Moy probably have very similar uh, statistics around their small sample size. Um, Basuma always plays, has played more attacking. That's probably why I didn't get much chance in the first team because he wasn't doing the job Hutton wanted him to. So I think it's definitely worth looking at him. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in in the team, and we'll probably talk about that a little bit more um, when we get into the match review. So moving on to story number four. Story number four is Neil Morpai, of course. Um, our massive uh, record-breaking sign-in. Or maybe he wasn't the record-breaking sign-in. Did they break the record for him? I'm not sure. We spent a whole lot of money on him, though. 20, 25 million pounds uh, on a championship striker. Brave. Um, but he is somebody who has been in demand, um, very much so across the Premier League teams this year. Only 22. Um, and his stats make for great reading. Um, I haven't compared him to Murray or anybody else uh, because he looks like he offers a totally different dimension and he played such a different game to the rest of them this year, it would not really be representative at all. So, um, just his stats on his own. Uh, 43 appearances last year, 25 goals. Uh, one goal every 149 minutes. Um, you know, a goal a game is an impressive record wherever you are. Uh, so for him to be doing that in the championship for a team that didn't even make the playoffs uh, speaks volumes, I think, for his quality in that league at least. Um 2.6 shots per game on average per day, per game. Uh, con contributed with 8 assists and 1.3 key passes per game. Uh, he also ended up creating 7 big chances that did not lead to an assist. 77% um, pass accuracy. Uh, in regards to that pass accuracy, uh, he was at an 82% when playing passes in his own half and 75% in, in the opposition half. Uh, 1.4 fouls per game and 1.6 fouls per game. <sighs> you know, offside 0.4 times is the big one for me. Uh, he was offside 0.4 times per game. Um, and you know, that to me, it sounds like he can probably run in from behind. Uh, and we'll talk about that soon too. To me, um, looking at all those numbers, uh, he looks like a feasible replacement for Murray, but he's half his height. <laughs> he's he's about five foot seven, five foot eight. Um, but he is good on the ball. Um, he is known for his anchor type play when keeping hold of the ball up top. Um, with the ball at his feet, he is incredibly talented at keeping the ball um, and holding the ball up. He's obviously weakest in the air. Um, but not only is he keeping capable of holding the ball up, but running in behind and of course being a fox in the box, which is something that we've missed for a while. Um, Murray has obviously provided the fox in the box for quite a while, but, you know, his pace provides limitations. Um, now, I don't know if you watch his Brentford goals. Uh, they are very easy to find. If you go on Brentford's Twitter feed, um, I'm sure that you'll have to scroll down a little bit simply because he uh, they've been playing games since. Um, or if you go to their YouTube, probably they have all 25 goals back-to-back, -back, snappy, like, three-minute video. Um 
almost all of them are inside the box. Uh, he does look very impressive in his clips, but, you know, everybody looks impressive in their clips. Um, but he, you know, he looks the real deal. Um, and, of course, we'll talk about him yesterday in the game uh, on the recap of Watford, because I don't want to taint this with his debut. This is just what I'd wrote down before we uh, we saw him yesterday. So that is, uh, that is that. I don't want to go too deep into that, obviously. Um, but he's a uh, pretty serious signing. Um, the fact that we spent that much money on him leads me to believe that he will be starting sooner or later. Um, and you've got to imagine that Potter will be able to find use for him um, with that kind of talent and that kind of prolific goal scoring. Uh, you've got to think that in some way, shape or form, he's going to fit into this 3-4-3 that we're, we're outfitted with right now. Um, and, you know, a lot of the Brentford fans have also said that he... Uh, he has quite a personality when when playing the game. Um, so it's almost like we've replaced one young, French, arrogant, annoying player for opposition teams um, and replaced him with another young, arrogant, French, annoying player for other teams to play against. Um, speaking of knockout, I believe he played yesterday for Fulham. Um, but Morpai is the man now. Uh, he took the number seven shirt, I believe. Um, so interesting to see him go straight into Kyle's, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does. We have a lot of attacking options up front and all of them offer something different. Uh, Florin Andone, Glenn Murray, Lacardia, Trossard, Morpai, you know, these are all players that are perfectly happy to score plenty of goals. Um, so it's going to be interesting how Potter uses them all, um, because he now suddenly finds himself with a wealth of options, something that previous managers may not have felt were a wealth of options because they felt they had to play a certain way uh but it doesn't seem that way for potter seems that he will uh <coughs> excuse me will make a uh he's gonna make a formation work for the players he has as opposed to try and fit the players into a formation he wants um which is a breath of fresh air as well so big signing big move on the last week of the year uh, last week of the transfer deadline um, Villa fans pretending they weren't upset because they really wanted him, but he's an Albion player now, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can bring to the table. So, moving on to story number three. Uh, and story number three is probably my favourite story of the week because uh, it's recapping Watford away from home at Vicarage Road yesterday. Uh, wow. What a game. What a performance. We've seen... A lot of uh, progress under Graham Potter over preseason. Um, people who tuned in and watched any of their games, you absolutely started to see the foundations of what's going to be coming. Um, but nothing, nothing in this planet could have prepared us for that transformation um, on when it mattered most. Um, so in the past, I've worked on uh, good, bad, and something else. This week, uh, and probably going forward, I'm going to go with the stats, the good, and the bad. Um, so the stats are going to be the hard, hard facts. The good is going to be something that the good and the bad is just going to be my take on it. So the stats, um, we ended the first half with 56% possession away from home against the team that were predicted to finish in the top half this season. Uh, we finished at four, uh, we finished the game at 51.7% in the end. Um, but I think we honestly bossed this game for about 10 minutes in. Um, they did have, uh, patches of possession, um, but not anything that troubled us too much. Uh, they had 11 shots compared to our five. However, it's worth noting that both teams ended with three on target each. 
Um, the last game we played at Vicarage Road, uh, this time last year, we had no shots on target. Um, being dispossessed off the ball, um, we were dispossessed six times all game. Um, the, the short, easy passing, um, not doing anything too stupid, um, and really focusing on keeping the ball but looking forward clearly worked. Six times we were dispossessed all game. Uh, Watford, 19. Uh, the new press, uh, the positive movement that we were making made all the difference here. Um, it was unbelievable from us to come on the front foot away from home. Uh, Stevens, Dunk, Montoya, and Proper all making key passes. Um, David Proper shot on goal. New role for him this year. Also an assist. You know, he was coming forward much more often. Um, he was playing on the right wing, left wing, pushing up with them. Uh, he looked like the player we signed a couple of years ago. Um, three offsides uh, were called against us this game. All against Glenn Murray, of course. Um, and defensively, we were sound too. Uh, Dale Stevens, Shane Duffy and Solly March, all with four successful tackles, the most out of everybody else. Uh, Solly March made three successful interceptions, more than anybody else. Uh, and Solly March and Lewis Dunk with over 90% pass accuracy. Uh, it is worth noting that Lewis Dunk uh, was in the top three of passes played yesterday. That is a centre-half with a 90% pass accuracy against a team away from home. Unbelievable. Um, that kind of number is just... It makes me very happy to know that he is still an Albion player um, because anybody would be lucky to have him, and I'm delighted that we managed to keep hold of him. And I absolutely stand by the idea that that was probably the biggest signing of the season was keeping Lewis Dunk. Um, we did a hell of a job, so well done, recruitment team. Well done, Lewis, for staying. Uh... So moving on to the good, um, t for me, Potter taught them an actual lesson. Um, the biggest news of the day was, of course, before the game started, Leandro Trossard, somebody who had started every single preseason game, uh, was out for Pascal Gross. Um, I, for one, didn't like the move. Um, I thought it was a bizarre move. It didn't make any sense to me, but what do I know, right? Um after looking at the game and after watching the game, it seems very clear Gross wasn't able to be backwards and forwards and box-to-box -box as often as Potter wants. Um, so he and Proper, to me, essentially just swap roles as and when needed. Um, this is something Lucardia or Trossard wouldn't have been able to do. Um, and it added that extra dimension in midfield. Um, you know, Trossard and Lucardia aren't central midfielders. They aren't combative midfielders. Um, and Gross isn't used to being, but he has played in that midfield three that Hutton forced him into. Um, so he does have some experience with that. Um, and adding that extra dimension to midfield just drowned them. Um, every time they tried to come forward on that side, we just kept them. They were dead in the water almost from the start. Um, it's almost like Graham Potter is a good manager. Um, and I don't know anything. <laughs> uh, it was a keen tactical masterstroke too, um, because they're, you know, they're best in their center. Um, Will Hughes, Capu, Decore, who, you know, has been chased by people like, uh, PSG. Um, they are the players that make their game tick. Um, and by doing what he did with the proper, uh, gross combination, um, he essentially matched them stride for stride. Uh, he put proper Gross and Dale against Capu, Hughes, and Decore, um, which then allowed the wingbacks to force the white. And then what happened here, and I don't know if you saw it, but um, 
by doing so and allowing them all to match each other, uh, what they did, what Potter then did by the looks of it, um, is that he forced, he had our wingbacks, Montoya and March, uh, forced the wider players in centrally. Um, if you can remember a time, more than two or three times, where a Watford player ran down the wing, um, you deserve a medal because it didn't happen. Um, we forced them inside. Uh, and by doing that, it clogged up the entire middle of the pitch horribly. Um, you know, at that point, we had uh, Capu, Hughes, Decore, Pereira, Delafeu, whoever was on at the time, Dini, Gray, um, all of these players, and they were all within five to ten yards of each other and just drowned out. Um, they were forced into the middle and they were just clogged up and we just took them out. Um, and then as soon as we got the ball back, uh, we were suddenly spread out really wide because Montoya and March were already out there keeping them inside. Um, and then all of a sudden they bombed on Dan Byrne and Shane Duffy out on the touchlines as kind of secondary fullbacks and Montoya and March were way up the wing. Um, and at that point we left them totally overloaded on both sides. Um, the amount of times we overloaded on the right hand side with gross proper Montoya, it, it totally nullified their best players and it stopped their fullbacks being able to come forward and help out. Um, it was an absolute monster of a tactical genius move. Um, it was super interesting to watch it. You know, if you've not watched them, I would. Uh, the coach's voice, he did one uh, where he showed how he st uh, tactically lined up to play against um, Galatasaray. And his knowledge of every player and how they work was incredibly interesting. Um, and when you look back on that and you look at what he did yesterday uh, and you start to see inside the mind of Graham Potter a little bit, um, you can see exactly what he did. And it's funny because how do you like, how do you go against it? Because if he's going to tailor every single game so uniquely, like he, it's just, it's really good. Um, and Outside of the top six, when we played the top six, that was something Hutton was incredibly good at, was picking a team and picking a formation and changing up a formation a little bit um, to nullify their best players. Um, <clears throat> but Potter has just shown he's perfectly capable of doing that against any team. Um, and that was just a masterstroke. It was so fun to watch and look back now and watch again. Um, and just see how he just totally nullified him. He neutered the whole thing. Um, my man of the match, personally, is Montoya. Um, I've seen Dunk and Byrne get a huge amount of plaudits. Deservedly so. Dan Byrne is very much becoming a breakout player. Uh, nobody saw that coming. Um, I hope we didn't end up wasting the money on Webster. Because right now, how the hell is he going to get into that back three? Whew. Um, but for me, Montoya was just unbelievable. Um, he was a wingback. He was a right winger. He was a central attacking midfielder half the time. Um, he led our counter-attacks like three times. Uh, he was everywhere. He was everywhere. Um, what a different player he looked. He looks like a totally different player. Um, and when you see him play as well as he did, like it does make me think that Shalotto will be able to do just fine in this role if he has to. Um, because this is kind of what he was doing under Hutton. He was just wildly out of position all the time because he shouldn't have been doing it. So so Montoya gets my man of the match, undoubtedly. He was the man. 
um, and bad because I have to. Um, if I'm being hypercritical, I thought Murray could have done more. Um, I almost felt like he was a passenger at times. Uh, and I felt that Stevens still has that horrible trait of spending too much time on the ball in our final third. Um, just take one less touch and get the ball moved on. I don't care if it's backwards, forwards or sideways. Um, there was a couple of times again where he was dispossessed in dangerous areas and luckily we were able to drown them out. But it scared me a little bit and it's something that Potter's going to have to coach out of him or something. Um, and again, Murray just didn't really do a great deal at all. Um, but overall, very little bad to say. Um, you know, for the criticism they could get, uh, I thought that Stevens was also excellent in everything he was asked to do. Um, you know what I mean? He had the, he had the most, ta- like, amongst the most tackles. Um, he played a key pass. He played a ball forward. He was the pass um, that led to the goal. Uh, you know, Stevens out to Gross or Proper, whoever it was, that then binged it into Decore, who decided to stick it in his own net. So, you know, uh, I am being hypercritical by doing the bad, but I promised myself this is how I'd organise it, so that's what I'm doing. <laughs> um, story number two. This is a little more short, um, but story number two was a big one. Uh, Albion have announced a multi-year extension of their sponsorship deal with American Express. Um... It includes, obviously, the continued naming rights of the stadium, so the Amex will remain the Amex for uh, a number of years yet. Um, training complex as well. Shirt sponsorship is going to remain with us. Um, the length and value has not been revealed, but a lot of sources in terms of people on Twitter and people who seem to know, be in the know um, all seem to be saying the same thing. So whether it came from one person who knows nothing and everybody's now spreading it around, uh, or not, but it seems that people um, on the finance side of things do have a lot more right than wrong. So uh, the club are describing it as their longest and most valuable in their entire history. Um, we are going to be including specific additional investment from Amex for women's and girls football. Uh, so that's great news for Kirsty Holland and everybody at the uh, Albion on the women's side. I'm sure they're delighted to hear that after talking about it uh, this summer with me. Um, about, you know, the fact that they need that investment. So great for them. Um, and they also have naming rights for the new women's training complex um, due to open towards the end of 2020. Um, you know, rumor is it's over 100 million um, and it's almost close to 10 odd years. Uh, makes it one of the highest deals outside of the top six, apparently. Um, and for me, I'm super, in, super on board with this. Uh, I've liked Amex as a partner all the way through. I think it it's so it's so uh, superficial, but I just think it's classy um, to have an Amex as our people, um, as opposed to you know like Bet three six five or some Chinese betting company or um, you know some no name betting company. I feel like they're all in the world right now in uh, sports sponsorship. So I'm glad that we've stuck with. Uh, I say as if it's classy, you know, bankers are dicks. We don't, you know, these big people who make crap tons of bonuses off of our money are. Uh, you know, these people, the big wigs at the Amex and stuff, I'm sure they're idiots as well, but just adds a touch of class, class, um, as opposed to, uh, Beijing betting company or whatever it is that, uh, you know, pumping money in for no reason at all. So I'm happy with that. Um, and it links into something else that I wanted to bring up too. Um, the fans forum took place just before, uh, the season began. Um, and, they're aiming to play in the USA next summer. Um, it was revealed by Barber that actually the club wanted to play in the USA this summer, just gone. Um, and 
although things did not go to plan, um, and I do have the exact quote here, unfortunately, for various logistical reasons, um, we couldn't make it happen, especially uh, due to teams we wanted to play. Um, I'm going to add an ad lib into there. Uh, so unfortunately, for various logistical reasons, mainly for the teams we wanted to play, we couldn't make it happen, was the official quote. I would like to add to the fact that we ended up sacking our manager um, and we didn't even think we were going to be in the Premier League to be able to go on this trip. So we actually didn't book the tickets in time. We didn't get to, we didn't plan ahead far enough to play the teams we wanted to play uh, because we thought we were absolutely effed um, with Hutton at the helm dragging us down <laughs> uh that's honestly how it feels to me um but they are actively looking at getting back to the u.s um with the announcement of the american express deal it was very much part of our thinking that we would want to play on the east coast of the u.s um graham's already had a warning that next summer that will be our plan to play in the states um it's already halfway through the mls season when we do it um you know account tournaments take into account tournaments player availability yada 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 um, it's not going to be easy, but I'm sure they'll be able to plan it just fine. Much smaller teams have done. Uh, and for me, uh, they were looking at playing in New York and Philadelphia. Uh, I've never been to Philly. I love New York. Bring it on. Come on over. I'll be more than happy to get on a plane wherever you're going to be, uh, because that would be the best. So feel free. Um, can't wait. Story number one. West Ham United, of course, we play them next. Um, they have just came off of a 5 nothing drubbing from Manchester City on their own turf. Uh, one, obviously going to hurt anybody's feelings to get beat 5 nothing by any team. Uh, but Manchester City are unbelievable, again. Um, Raheem Sterling with a hat-trick, it's just outrageous. It was interesting to note they lined up with a 4-2-3-1. Um, Haller did start Lanzini behind him, um, who did look good, by the way. Uh, Antonio and uh, Felipe Anderson on each side. Declan Rice and Wilshere in the middle. Uh, Cresswell, Fredericks, Fredericks Balboina and Diop uh, with Fa Fabianski in goal. Um, they did make quite a few early changes. Uh, Fornals came on, Snodgrass came on, Chicharito, Ch Chicharito uh, came on. Um, but... It's going to be interesting. It's only one game in. We don't know what kind of performance West Ham are going to put on. Um, and it's really hard to really compare, right? Because they've just played the one of the best teams in the whole world. So um, one thing is going to be interesting for me. Two things to look at for this uh, for this game. Um, one, how is Haller going to be, uh, come up against our back three if we continue with a back three? Um, and two, uh, this is going to be a very different formation to the one we played against Watford. Uh, you know, that 4-2-2-2 two, 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 um, was one thing. How are we going to adapt to the 4-2-3-1? Um, what is Potter going to do? Who's going to start? Who's going to not? Um, how can you predict what this 11 is going to look like? If I had to guess, um, I actually think it's probably going to be the same 11, but I think he's probably going to drop uh, Trossard. He's going to bring Trossard in and take Gross out because we're at home. But who knows? Um so over time, I'm, I'll obviously go back to, you know, predicting an 11 and looking into what their last game was actually like. But uh, West Ham, first game of the season, getting beat 5 nothing away at home to Man City. Um, I'm struggling really to take a look at what the reality is there um, because it's an anomaly. So that's all from me. Um, have a great rest of your week. 
look forward to the game. One more week uh, to go until we kick off against them. So, again, have a good week. Be safe. uh, And I'll see you next week. Same time, same place.